One, two, three, clap. Alright, close enough. Welcome to So Many Wrong Notes, everybody. This is uh, Francis Yoon. And this is Jeanette Fang. And we're both hunkered down uh, in our respective hobbit holes. Eh, speak for yourself. And we're both hunkered down, <laughs> me in my hobbit hole, Jeanette. And me in my palatial in her... mansion. <laughs> yes. That's it's what I the... meant, okay? <laughs> My palatial <laughs> mansion, full of expensive relics. So, Francis, how have you been with this? I've been okay. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and so Jeanette, you'll you'll have heard this, but I don't care. Hear it again. Um, Say it better. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll try. <laughs> I got really lucky during this pandemic. And I got really lucky in that I got a full-time job. My salary is not being is not suffering from this. I work at a boarding school, so I have free housing at the moment with uh, pretty much free utilities. And I get free meals until the end of the school year. So I got really super lucky. Uh, and I feel really, in all honesty, I just have a little bit of survivor's guilt considering how much freelancers are suffering right now and how many people that I know who are just who are in absolute dire straits because of the situation and so yeah yeah that's sort of how I feel it's like I feel really super lucky and then I feel really super depressed (laughs) knowing how everybody else is right yeah how are you doing well, it's funny because, you know, we both live in pretty isolated areas anyways. So mm-hmm. uh, what we are hearing about in the news, we won't actually experience until a couple months down the line. So it almost doesn't feel like reality. Like I'll get all the New York Times updates and I'll just be like, this is terrible. And then it still won't feel like reality because I'm only reading about it. I'm not actually personally experiencing it around my area. Mm. Um, I mean, yes, everything is shut down. Uh, you know, we're obviously all worried working at a nonprofit arts presenting organization, and we're kind of scrambling around. But I also feel very lucky. And that's also why I feel guilty in a different way. So as Francis knows, and maybe I should kind of do an update of, I'm getting, I was planning We were planning to get married uh, June, and I had to cancel slash postpone it, and we didn't pick a date yet because we don't know when. My maid of honor sent me an article about brides who have support groups going on right now over canceled weddings and, and their need of emotional support, and I just feel really lucky that that's the issue. You know, like I don't Mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. something really tragic because this is really nothing to be emotionally sad about in the grand perspective of things. Exactly. I mean, you and Tracy are still going to get married. It's just not going to happen when you thought. 
Exactly. We're actually going to the courthouse and getting married this coming Wednesday. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't tell anyone yet. Oh. Well, because it was kind of like we didn't even know if the courthouse was open. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they weren't actually going to do it. And then they were like, well, you know, you're local. So we were going to make an exception. So. Oh, that's awesome. I know. So we had to do it quicker than later. It was yeah, one of those things. Yeah. Anyways. Well, secrets up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I also don't want anyone who is in the same position to feel like they shouldn't have the space to grieve as well. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just and helps me keep perspective when I look at the news to know that it's not in. I should feel exactly. lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I totally know. I, I I know what you're saying, but I mean, but it's also like if you are feeling sad about it, yeah, there's nothing wrong with feeling sad about it. I have to be honest and say, sometimes I'm just like, not happy that this is happening. Yeah, and it's not okay. And even though I have it relatively easy, you know, I still have to acknowledge the fact that hey. Sometimes I'm just not feeling okay about this. Yeah, I mean that's okay. Exactly. I mean, my fiance is a freelance actor, so it it, it does heavily impact him. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And and like you know, we both of us have had gigs that were canceled because of this, and we see all of our circle of friends being heavily impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just like to put it out there that if you are in a position to help artists who have no chance of work our money at this point and who are really struggling please give and help them out if you are able um absolutely oh oh my god in lines of that i was listening to stephen king being interviewed on fresh air on npr the headline to that story was really funny which is like if you feel like you're in a stephen king story right now he says sorry um but Stephen King apparently tweeted out this meme, meme that I've seen going around, but the fact that Stephen King tweeted it out, it's getting a lot of right. retweets and people, and I just want to find it because I think it, it goes in line with what you're talking about. And of course, me finding it and me being totally unprepared for this causes this kind of awkward little uh, thing, but you know what? Suck it. I'm okay with that. Why am I always more aggressive and douchey? What do you mean? I said suck it, and you were like, I'm fine with it. <laughs> well, it's because you're a, you're a horrible human being, and I'm not. That's why. No, you just don't know you are yet. Maybe it's, uh, <laughs> by the way, I just, I just, this is going to be a fun edit, Jeanette. It's going to be such a fun edit. It's just going to be like three minutes of me going. gonna be 45 minutes you of me searching through my phone <laughs> but you act like you're mad at me like it's my I'm fault not. I, i'm not i'm not I, I, it's not whoa oh no. i just took Here it there we go. here's your psychological state i'm just stating fact i'm just stating that it's going to be a hard edit because i've created the situation that's a hard edit that's all i'm saying in my defense you, are projecting that I am talking to you about how hard this edit, like blaming you. No, I'm just stating that I've been making this a very hard edit. You're a bad Asian. 
I'm a pretty. <laughs> no, in my defense, we have socially isolated to the point where we are not used to human. Uh, what is it? Niceties anymore? Yeah. We can't read people anymore. I, I will say this: social isolation is not a burden for me. It's a preference. Oh, neither for me. Yes. Um. Ah, here we go. Here's the damn thing, and then we'll talk about that. Here's the damn fucking thing that I was looking for. And Stephen King did not write this, and I've seen this going around, but I think it will relate very much to what you just said about helping out artists. And if you are able, please give anything that you can to musicians, artists, because, quote, if you think artists are useless, try to spend your quarantine without music, books, poems, movies, and paintings. Exactly. And TV shows and films. Well, he does say movies. Okay. He just left out TV shows. <laughs> films he did and leave movies. Out TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the majority of my quarantine uh, mm. relaxation is uh, we now look for things with multiple, multiple seasons that have been going on for a long time. <laughs> We're like, oh, this is a- okay. This will last us for two weeks at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should have show uh, recommendations at the end of this. Yeah, why not? And we haven't done a mini so. Anyways. No. Anyway, um so other than to keep you guys abreast, <laughs> I said abreast about You're such our a 14 year old. Uh, I know. Um <laughs> speaking of which, I'm I'm sorry that the audience can't see this, but I did buy a shark puppet. Oh my god. That Jeanette can see. Um because I am teaching remotely. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I teach using the ch- shark puppet. Not because I think it's a great pedagogical tool, but because I get bored. No, you did say it was an actual invaluable teaching tool. What I would like to hear your justification for. You know, sometimes just looking at my beautiful face through the screen. It mesmerizes. You just, yeah, it's just so enchanting that you're just not paying attention to what I'm saying. See, I can tell that right now because yeah. we're video chatting right now. Jeanette is just completely like I've never seen awe in her eyes. It's like, like I'm I've being seen. glammed by a vampire. Exactly. Yeah. Except now I'm saying very, very important things that Jeanette is not paying any attention to. However, <laughs> how do you get your face out of the way shark. with your shark? You have to. Ri- <laughs> Your shark puppet is too small. <laughs> Your shark is too small. <laughs> Damn it. Size isn't everything, Jeanette. I Damn love, it. I, lo- <laughs> um, I love the shark puppet. I think you should have done a better job justifying it. <laughs> like an actual... I mean, honestly, how I would, you know, defend my purchase of a shark puppet for teaching is to say that if you get bored... Your students probably already were bored like two classes ago. So this is a way to keep them engaged because they're thinking about sharks. Except they're kind of lame and they kind of aren't like fun loving in that kind of way. What? Yeah. Well, this is your task. Like like, they look at me like, why are you the weirdo with a shark puppet? Are you serious? Yeah. But you know what it is? It's that we're artsy fartsy people, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think artsy-fartsy people just accept and enjoy weirdness for the sake of weirdness. Well, but, uh, so I'm so out of touch. 
Hey, it's okay. I'm just as out of touch. And uh, not to play the my dick is bigger than yours, even though technically my dick is actually bigger than yours. Yeah, any dick is bigger than zero dick. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's nothing to be proud of. I mean, um, I have to. I Good have. One. Good one. Oh my god, we've gone. Uh... It's because we started out too serious. I know. Um, uh, this is. Uh, we're not going to use any of this. Yes, um, we are. Actually, we are. I know. None of this is probably going to be edited. This is probably the first episode we'll probably release with no edits. Because people want, people want that video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's one thing to have that weird sense of humor like thrown out at grown-ups. Yeah. It's another thing oh, yeah. to throw that sense of humor out to a whole bunch of high schoolers. I'm so scared of high schoolers. They're not that scary, but it's just... Because they're really not. It's just I need to remember that I'm used to artsy-fartsy teenagers. Ah. Uh, and I don't have that many here. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are, but it's not like the dominant culture. Because RC you know Farsi I mean? teenagers pretend like they're 35 or above. Yeah. But then they also appreciate a good poop joke with a shark puppet. Because it's cool to appreciate that now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I'm afraid of high schoolers because I had such a terrible time in high school. But that's my armchair psychology. Hey, uh, I think that's okay. And I think before I started working with teenagers, I sort of had the same fear. I'm doing the hand motion of, of, of Segway. That was my segue. I was giving it to you. <laughs> I was giving you a segue. <laughs> Trigger words armchair psychology. I was gonna, and I was also segueing myself. Oh, you were? Oh. Hurry yeah. Up. <laughs> Hurry up and segue. <laughs> I'll take you off. Here, let's just do it again. Um, <laughs> no, you're afraid of teenagers? Like, why? I think I'm afraid of teenagers because I had such a terrible time in high school. So. Oh, yeah? That's my... <laughs> so sincere, Francis. You're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> like, what the hell? Come on, get to the freaking segue line. Well, I have to start all over again. Okay. Oh, uh, fine. <laughs> so, well, I think I'm afraid of teenagers because I had such a terrible time in high school. Well, which yeah. Which is just my... <laughs> Armchair psychology of the moment. Ah, armchair psychology. Speaking of which, <laughs> Korean uncle. Like, oh, armchair psychology. Ah, armchair psychology. Mmm. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Speaking of armchair psychology. I think the whole reason we wanted to <laughs> record this... Um, I'm like s- sweating now. <laughs> this episode... <laughs> well, here. I had a nightmare last night. And it's a very specific kind of nightmare. And I just thought it would be great to just share that nightmare. Before I tell you what the type of nightmare is, I think the best way to tell you is to share some nightmares. So I'm going to invite Jeanette to share her nightmare and we're going to armchair 
psychoanalyze ourselves. Yeah, with zero credibility. Exactly. Well, so well my please, credibility is I've seen quite a few therapists in my time. And my credibility is that I sometimes watch Dr. Phil. Do you know how much huh? money Judge Judy makes? Oh my gosh, she's so amazingly rich. Do you know how much? And she, Chris, I'm like, I don't remember. I know. How much? $44 million a year. $44 million a year? It's gross. Isn't it insane? She... <laughs> I do have to say, unlike Dr. Phil, which I don't find to be entertaining television, Judge Judy is really entertaining television. Exactly, Dr. Phil. Exactly. Is that how people say it? No, I don't have that, like, I, I don't know. Exactly I don't know what you're talking right, about. Dr. Phil. Like, I've never you're... actually seen an episode, so I don't know. But I hear people making fun of him saying, like, exactly right, Dr. Phil. Exactly. Oh, I've never heard this before, but okay. Honestly, if I could get paid that much putting a doily on my neck and pronouncing judgments on people. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, nightmares. So, nightmare. One of my reoccurring nightmares is forgetting what I was playing on stage. So, Ooh. it takes many different iterations. Sometimes it's an audition format. Sometimes it's on stage. I remember specifically the last one. I was on stage in Britain Hall at, you know, University of Michigan's recital hall, where mm -hmm. we do our piano recitals and stuff. And I just remember I got up there and I was mid playing, and I was like, "What is this? What am I playing?" Um, I could not remember what piece I was playing yeah. I did not know what piece I was supposed to play um, I just did not know I was lost and mm -hmm. so I remember making up shit and thinking to myself I really should have studied improv more because I don't have a lot of tools right now so I was just doing yeah. arpeggios up and down like, and then I was like okay let's do a little faster so it seems more impressive and uh -huh. it'll come back to me you know, like the more I do this, this G major arpeggio, out, the piece I'm supposed to play will come back to me. And it never did. It just, I was like stuck doing this arpeggio up and down. And I was like, all right, I'm going to modulate from here. Shit, how do I modulate from here? And, you know, my mind was blanking on that too. And I was like, let me slow it down and play it more lyrically. Maybe I could make it seem like I'm doing a, a contrasting theme with this. And then... I was losing everything. I was like, I'm a real hack. Everyone sees this now. I, I, just, I don't know anything because yeah. I, I don't have a composer writing it down for me now. So I'm truly an imposter. All right, that's, that's my... That's, and then you wake up. Eh. And I'm yeah. like, oh, thank God. Yep. So I think we've all had that kind of dream. We're going to share multiple dreams, but I want to share the first ever recital nightmare I've ever had. Oh. <clears throat> Which was, as I clear my throat to uh, show the gravity of, of what I'm about to say. No, that's just you do that a lot. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so the dream starts, I'm supposed to be playing like one piece for like a studio recital, right? Uh-huh. And the piece that I'm playing is going to be Chopin Nocturne, 
Opus 27, number 2. D-flat major, right? Beautiful what? nocturne, if you know it. It's a specific, um, okay. It was, it was this specific, yeah. Okay? Okay. And so, that's what I'm supposed to play. And I get there, and it turns out somebody else is playing the exact same nocturne as I am. And I'm like, oh no, this can't be, no, we can't do this, we can't have that. But... I, I say to myself, my dream self, I'm like, you know what? Well, that's okay, because luckily, I know Opus 27 number one. Ah. C-sharp minor nocturne right before that one. They go very nicely as a set, actually. Um, what would I expect that? It's the same Opus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So I go, okay, I, I'll just play that, and I'll be fine, because... I know it, I've worked on it, it's great. And so I go out there, and I start playing, and of course, I don't know it at all. And I'm just struggling and struggling to get back on, but I just can't get back on, right? It's sort yeah. of similar to yours, yeah. except I'm not like improvising, I'm just like trying my best to like find, find where it is, find where it is, and it's just, I, I feel more and more, like, paranoid, I guess is the best word. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. How is this happening right now? We're Why second. is this happening? Right? Yeah. And I remember looking out into the audience in my dream and seeing my private teacher um, who was an Asian man, right? <laughs> okay. And if you ever see me do an Asian accent, it's actually I'm doing him. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, because that's literally how he talked. He sort of talked like Korean Yoda. Um, but anyway, I look out in the audience and I see my private teacher. And for some reason, he has bright orange hair. <laughs> and he's just shaking his head like no in that very dismissive like Asian yeah. parent way. Like, mm, no. And then I wake up. Okay, you have you have many layers there. <laughs> yeah. One is you have a fear of animal, the Muppet. Right? Doesn't he have <laughs> orange hair? Wait, who has orange hair in the Muppets? I don't know. I, I feel like animal. many Muppets have orange hair. I think animal does have... Um, his hair is in the orange family, I would say that, yeah. <laughs> in the orange family. You know, um... Disapproval also isn't another recurring nightmare. That disapproval yeah. right there. Um, well, are we going to psychoanalyze each other's or are we going to psychoanalyze ourselves? Well, I can very easily say that I know why I had that nightmare at that time. Okay. Because I had to play both of those nocturnes for a studio recital. Both of them. Like, both of them, yeah. yeah. And I, I was obviously kind of worried about it coming up, <coughs> right? So Sorry. it made sense that I would have that nightmare. And you were undergrad at this point? Yeah, I was an undergrad, yeah. Yeah. At this point. So I totally knew why I had it. It made sense. I was obviously feeling nervous about it. Yeah. I don't know. But I How mean... would you... It, you also have in that dream you have specifically another student in the picture so you have somebody else 
kind of upstaging you that fear because they're playing a oh yeah <laughs> and you've got to disapproval like you're you're not meeting somebody's expectations of you i.e your asian yoda <laughs> and then you have the muppets in there i think i i never i never thought about that first part the whole uh being upstaged by someone else. Well, it could also be the fact that you're afraid of looking bad in front of your peers, um, in addition to your uh, mentor and teacher. Um, and, and that's the studio class is a particularly nerve wracking example. Yeah. We fear our peers' judgments because they don't have the wisdom of age and experience to get them to not say certain hurtful things to other people mm-hmm. about. You're playing or are playing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally buy that. I always thought that it was... It, it said a lot about me at the time and probably me still that I didn't get angry about the fact that someone else was playing the same piece as me. Yeah. I just went, oh, I can solve this problem by doing this. It's sort of like like, the people-pleasing part of me. The fact yeah. that you were ready to shoot yourself in the foot to save somebody else. Yeah from having to do the same thing you're just like all right well i'll play a piece that i haven't been practicing and i think i know just because i don't want to embarrass this person for playing exactly yeah yeah so that's what i thought that was many layers but it, it was the first uh at least the first performance nightmare that i remember and it was scary it's kind of funny now but it's fucking scary at the time right how, yeah. do, how do you feel like when let's uh analyze your dream here well i i know that mine ties into what i feel like is my biggest weakness which is memory um Mm. almost all of my bad recital experiences experiences come from forgetting where i am like having memory slips and over the years i've gotten better at getting out of them but i still have them Uh, Mm -hmm. and it just it's just something i feel so insecure about and i think the other thing my dream is about is I constantly feel like I am a hack. Like, I don't feel like I'm a real musician. I don't feel like I'm really a pianist. Um, And so to be exposed as not having the musical knowledge that I think one should have at my age and my stage in life is a nightmare for me because I feel like imposter all, all my life. Like, I feel like I got into certain schools or got certain things out of weird flukes. Like, I didn't deserve it. So that's good. Oh, yeah. I know it's a lot of anxiety and insecurity over trying to live up to a fake me. Yeah, and I, I totally get that about you, just knowing you, by the way. Uh. Just like, you have this imposter syndrome. But And this might sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's Uh-oh. not. I, okay. I swear to you that it's not. It's absolutely sincere. I've never seen someone get out of memory slips as well as you. Aww. It's really, really impressive. Because sometimes I don't even know that it happened until I go, oh, it happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a backhanded compliment. That's a great compliment. Thank you, Francis. Yeah, it's just like there's something. Because it happens. If you memorize music, you're going to fucking forget. Yeah, right? I think I resign myself to knowing it's going to happen. So I might exactly. as well like try to hide it as well as possible. But I could never get out of a memory slip with that much grace like you can. Ah! 
it's like it's impressive how well you do it. Thank you. So I feel like that in itself shows that you are not a hack. If you were a hack, <laughs> you'd be the idiot on stage going, uh, duh, duh, uh, duh, uh, which is me. I'd, mm, I've never seen which, you act like an impaired 70-year-old on stage. <laughs> but you've also never seen me play from memory because by the time we met, I think I had just given up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about this social isolation. I was like, oh, perfect time to work on solo rep. And then I'm like, oh, I should be memorizing this. And those mm. voices start up again. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I say don't memorize. Yeah. If you don't want to. Yeah. But you know what? I think that's a different show. That is a totally different show. No. But, uh, yeah, these performance nightmares are rare. How often do you have them? Mm. You know, I would say it really varies on the, uh, the performance rate of the real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and how prepared I feel in real life. So, um, let's say my first year at Garth Newell, I had frequency of performance nightmares like every month or so. Mm-hmm. But um, now, right now, since all of our future performances are put on hold, I haven't had one in like two months. Wow. So, so they're pretty frequent for you. Well, I mean, I will go like for like, you know, half a year without having one. It, it just kind of goes hand in hand with how yeah. I feel, I think. No, I mean, that makes sense to me what you're saying. But for me, I haven't had one in years. Oh, so this was the first in a while. And I think I was thinking the same along the same lines as you is that um, when I was feeling more anxious about performing, Obviously, I had a lot more performance nightmares. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then, they kind of went away because I think I just kind of got used to it. It's sort of like I knew what to expect. Yeah. And it's not like performances didn't make me nervous, but it didn't, like, occupy my anxiety as as much as they used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I will say, I will say that um, now that you're pointing out patterns of, of frequency... Um, uh-huh. I don't think I've ever had a performance anxiety uh, nightmare over chamber music. Oh. I don't think I've ever had one of those. It's always been solo. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just funny. So, I mean, yeah, for the past few years, they haven't been very frequent. Um, mm-hmm. So another one of mine has to do with auditioning. So uh. <laughs> um, I am... You, if anyone uh, might... No, the Juilliard auditions are done in a very cold room. It's usually like an orchestra room. That's when ours were, was the orchestra room. It's huge. And the judges, I mean, not the judges, all the faculty are lined up on one long table. And then you're you're pretty far from them. Like the piano is like quite a bit of a distance and it just feels very cold and uh, clinical and just uncomfortable because they're all they're all at this table and then you're like the specimen that's being examined through a tube almost it feels so um i have a dream where it's actually not the orchestra room but it's in my old teacher's studio uh kaplinski's studio and uh they're all in this long table but it's squished in there 
so they're like right on top of me and I am playing and I can feel her shaking her head in disapproval and and this is because Veda will shake her head behind the student in studio class like we oh. have observed her shaking her head like putting her head in her hand and just shaking it when a particular student is doing something that is like you know kind of shitty or something and so I I can feel her shaking her head behind me and then as I continue playing like trying to save face trying to you know redeem myself I I now hear like grunting in the background of like oh <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh oh and then, like I'm just it, it's sort of similar to my other one is I keep on playing but I'm digging myself into this hole and I wanted to stop but I I can't stop playing like and no one's stopping me so I'm just going in perpetuity this this awful cycle nobody stops me i'm not stopping i just keep i keep on going and 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 again i forget what i'm playing so i'm just i'm just yeah it it's it just i never stop until i wake up it feels like yeah. hell you know like it just keeps on like going on repeat and and, it, and it's worse and worse like people are just like laughing now like the faculty exactly. are laughing at me <laughs> okay so <laughs> it's pretty clear what that means i think yeah what do you what does that mean well i think that you know auditions are about 10 minutes or less 10 mm-hmm. to 15 minutes usually and whenever i've auditioned and i've done okay i felt like that's because i got really lucky if i kept on playing for like you know 16 minutes i would have fucked up you know they just cut yeah. me off right at the spot where i was good to go and i got exactly. accepted and so I feel like I'm a hack again. <laughs> like, I feel like I've <laughs> only got, you know, this much time of good playing. And, and it's just like, you never get to see how, like, I'm like the tip of the iceberg, you know? So it's like yeah. that huge 90% of me is all shit. Oh but, my God. I love, I wish you could see these uh, hand gestures right now. It's like <laughs> <laughs> tip of the iceberg. <laughs> like tip the of claw the iceberg. Hand. It's like a claw, like palsied like talon <laughs> of a of a hawk <laughs> because i'm um, tense describing this like no, i just I i'm it. tensed up Ugh. yeah so a lot i mean it, it's really similar for you it's just this feelings of inadequacy yeah like that's what kind of runs through your recital nightmares yeah your performance nightmare and i feel like there's like common tropes like the trope of people laughing at you while you're doing something right which is something that has happened to me and happened to you in our dreams anyway and in real life let's be honest um (laughs) there's the trope of knowing you have to do something but knowing that you're not ready that's a huge reason i think i have this dream is i'm never prepared exactly and so you're just not ready to do something yeah right and then things are just completely out of your control and you just can't get things back into your control again. Yeah. Right? Those are like kind of the three, I would say, just now, just analyzing these dreams uh-huh. in this pseudo-Freudian manner. Um, Have you ever like read the, Freud? Probably, but I don't remember. <laughs> I know I have a book of Freud, and I know I got it because of a cu- class. 
Yeah. But I have no memory of actually reading that book. Yeah. Um, I only bring up these three tropes mm-hmm. because usually I feel like each dream is focused on one trope. Mm-hmm. And then last night, I feel like I had a dream that was all three of those yeah. at one time. So, Jeanette, you want to like, <laughs> you want to just, uh, before I tell the dream, <laughs> you want to just go tell him how tell it the came story, about? How it came about. All right, so behind the curtain, everybody, this is a look on how so many wrong notes gets made. So, um, <laughs> our process, I, at 4 a.m. last night, started messaging Francis on Facebook saying, I'm editing this episode and it, it seems very tone deaf right now to release it. So maybe we should think about recording another one. Maybe. Um, and Francis replies with one of those crazy long messages that I think he's a crazy person because it's a message that keeps on, I keep on scrolling and scrolling. It's still going. I'm like, huh? Francis is usually very terse, to the point. This is like a novel. And it's <laughs> it's him describing this dream that he had. And I'm like, this is so not Francis. <laughs> Who's taken over Francis? Has he gone off the deep end? I don't know. The funny part is, is that I woke up, I think partly because my phone dinged because of your message at 4 a.m. <laughs> I keep on forgetting this. People don't turn off their phones when they go to bed. Like I know. It's, it's okay. But I had literally woken up from this dream and I saw that your message and I'm like, I need to remember this dream because this was (laughs) the mother of all recital nightmares. It was pretty good. All right. And so this was my dream that thanks to Jeanette messaging me at four in the morning. I saved you from that nightmare. No, because I woke up pretty much at the end of that nightmare. Okay. All right, it was a pretty damn long nightmare. Okay, <laughs> and I'm actually going to reference. Um, oh yeah, let's go back to the Facebook message. <laughs> I'm going to reference my Facebook message so that I don't re- so that I don't forget everything. Okay. It was Where really was it? like, and you know what? It was because um, I was getting these long ass messages from another person, mm-hmm. and and this was and every time I would get like five messages in a row that would be like eons long. Uh, I'm like. I'm like this person is batshit. And so that was in my mind. Like, why why <laughs> well, is Francis batshit now? I was fucking batshit because I had just woken up. It actually took me like 25 minutes to write this whole thing down. 25? Well, also, again, I had just woken up. Yeah, but your gra- Oh, I see. 25 to make sure your grammar and syntax is still... No, it's just like... Just to like remember every detail. And I did... This was a dream that I knew I didn't want to forget. Okay. Were you sweating okay. when you woke up? I wasn't sweating, but my heart was racing, and I was just like, it was uh, pretty, pretty bad. Okay, so here's the dream. Okay. I had to play a concerto, a Bach concerto, a Bach concerto that I played in public many times, actually, many times. Twice. I've heard you. Actually, three times. But um, yeah, it's a major Bach concerto. Um, the detail that I forgot to put in there is, of course. It was at Juilliard, and they had invited me back to play that concerto specifically oh. as an alum. So it's this very honorary, honorary kind of thing, right? Oh, distinguished. Yeah, how distinguished, right? Because I'm that important. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um. 
But of course, I only find this out like minutes before the performance. Uh huh. Such a classic. That's yeah. That's a recurring trope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But here's the weird part. It didn't freak me out. I'm like, oh, okay. I got this. Yeah, yeah. I can play this, right? After I played this in public, I, I've done this. It's fine, right? Yeah, exactly. All I have to do is print the parts for the orchestra, because somehow that's my responsibility. Right. <laughs> I have to provide the orchestra with their parts. Oh, because it was at Garnier, you provided oh, us maybe. with your parts. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Ah. Maybe that's what it was. Um, so all I had to do was. Print out the parts, mm. and we'll be fine. Even though we hadn't rehearsed, oh my <laughs> right? God. So Real I go to the computer. <laughs> yeah. So I go to the computer, and for some reason, they just won't let me print. I don't understand why they won't let me print. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just like this weird screen comes up. I can get to the page on IMSLP, yeah. right? Because the parts are on IMSLP. Yeah. And I can't print. So I go, all right, I, I don't know what's going on, but you know what? Maybe the orchestra manager, <laughs> the orchestra manager might have parts ready, right? Okay. For some reason, this orchestra manager, who's a real person, I won't name her. Um, um, <laughs> you just gave away her gender, though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, like, she would hold on to these parts and not give them to the orchestra until 30 minutes before the performance. Anyway, she goes, oh yeah, I have these parts right here. And she like opens up a drawer and gives me a folder of the parts. I'm like, sweet, great, I can do this. Yeah. And I like, somehow, <laughs> I don't know how her office turns into my room and I like get into to, <laughs> to concert clothes and I distinctly <clears throat> remember going, oh, Mickey Mouse socks. Like this yes! is like, I. I, I don't know where that came from, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to wear Mickey Mouse socks. I think your exact wording was, I put on Mickey Mouse socks because reasons. Yes. Period. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually said that out loud. Because reasons. <laughs> it made no sense. But I distinctly remember that detail, okay? Yeah. Anyway, I'm all dressed. I have this folder of the parts and then I just go downstairs right and I have to get backstage and I go downstairs to the normal way I don't even know what the fuck the hall was I don't know but um and I can't find the entrance to get backstage <laughs> I'm like totally lost and somehow in that hallway, and this is another detail that I didn't put in my message, but I, I remember it. Uh -oh. That hallway kind of turned into this, like, you know, the um, 59th Street Columbus yes! Square uh, subway stop. You know, there's like a food court underneath yeah. there. It just turns into that somehow. And oh I'm like, God. I don't know. I need to get backstage. Yeah. I don't know how. how and finally, someone kind of, like, directs me. I don't even know who it and was. And you're like, oh, they're already, like, halfway through this piece now. I'm not even there. No, no. It's just like, oh, I get there. Like, they're about to go on. Right? That's it. So I go, all right. Here are the parts, orchestra people. <laughs> right? Uh -huh. Relief. Yeah. Except they go, this isn't 
this isn't the piece. It's the wrong piece. And I look at it and I go, it is the wrong piece. How did this happen? And they all like hurl the parts at me like, you're so irresponsible. Yeah, and there's that vague feeling in your head that you were like, oh, I knew I fucked up somewhere in there. Yeah. I knew I printed off the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so I finally see that orchestra manager backstage. And I go, hey, you gave me the wrong parts. Um, What are we going to do? And she's like, oh, there's a computer right here. Why don't we print them out? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I finally get to the print screen, and it's the same damn thing that happened before. I can't print. It just won't let me print. Yeah. Right? And I go, what is going on? And I finally realize, oh, I'm no longer a Juilliard student. For some reason, I, my account has expired. They won't let me print. You've got no pages left. I've got no pages left. Yeah. And I say, tell the orchestra manager this. And she won't believe me. She was like, no, of You're course you can't print. Yeah, of course you can print. Just print it. And I'm like, it's not printing. And she's like, no, you, no one can be this stupid, Francis. No one can be this inept. Just print. And I just remember going I can't print why is no one listening to me and then that's when I wake up wow so you've got this incompetency of stupid people around you who never see your actual point of view that ties this all together it's like now is that what it is specifically what is out of your control is the fact that your fate lies in the hand of people on the outside who cannot be trusted with any task because they don't understand, they can't comprehend the situation. And I think this directly ties to your new position in life. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Because No, I know you're serious. Yeah, I mean, because like one of the things that I've become very short-fused on is incompetency. And like the fact that not everybody sees what you're trying to explain. It's, 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 it's something that, that irritates me like no other. And the thing is, people are going to do that. So I think your dream encapsulates that, for sure. And also, a lot of elements of those dreams I completely have had to. Like, yeah. not knowing, not finding the entrance and going around trying to find the entrance and then you've been taken somewhere else. In mine, I always feel like, oh, I made a mistake somewhere down there. I know I fucked up. Ah. Instead of like, oh, somebody else fucked up for me. I'm like, oh, no, I, I know I did fuck up some, somehow. Like, I took the wrong subway exit, or I just did something in a hurry, so I overlooked something. So, shit, it's the realization. It's like, it's shame. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I never thought about it. I just thought it was interesting, and I just thought it was a dream that I wanted to remember because it was, like, several nightmares yeah. all in one. Well, you didn't. it was, like, complete failure to launch because you didn't even get to sit down and play. Exactly. <laughs> like... <laughs> And also, have you had that experience? I have had in real life that experience in which I need to print off something quickly and I can't from oh, some yeah. I think malfunction. We've all had yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that panic you feel is is very, very strident. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. I break out in sweats pretty easily, I guess. <laughs> like I'm like literally and then I'm like throwing a fit in the office. No, I mean me and technology fight all the time. So yeah. Me not being able to print, that is definitely something that will happen to me and has happened to me in real life. But um, 
in any event, I feel like to just tie this all together. The reason why I think I had this nightmare, even though I think what you you said about it, I didn't think about, which I think is totally true. Um, it might be like the feelings that I have in my new position of just feeling kind of completely alien, which uh, I've talked to you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I'm the only music person here and it's just, it's hard to kind of communicate yeah. what I would like to do. It's, and it's not that they're being mean to me or not listening to me at all it's just that extra step of trying to have to explain to me because they're very supportive which is why i'm here um but i just thought that i had this dream because we're all fucking anxious right now oh yeah because of of our quarantine and it almost feels like psychologically deep inside me the only way that i can express this kind of anxiety is through this recital nightmare and which i haven't had in years yeah i mean talk about the ultimate out of your hands you're oh yeah completely controlled by outside factors you cannot do anything about it we're all just waiting we've (laughs) we've not experienced this in our lifetimes obviously no Um, and the rapid rate of it is to me it's so it's it's so incomprehensible that it doesn't feel like reality. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, you're not going to be performing that concerto anytime soon, but that feeling is, like, it's just so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, such a weird time to be living in right now. Here we are, and I guess all we can say is that uh, we hope you stay safe, stay healthy. Yeah. And, um watch a lot of shows uh here's a show that i i've been re-watching actually it's ugly delicious on netflix david chang oh it's about food uh of course it's about food but it's about food that um it's not about food it's about life and that's all i want to say actually that's not all i want to say the last thing i want to say about it is ugly delicious is the only food show that has made me cry (gasps) oh you should get paid for that promotion yes david chang please send me all your pork buns because those pork buns are really yummy at momofoku have you ever had them oh my god no i've not anyway i I know about them uh i know they're legendary um wait can you just i've not i actually don't know anything about the show it's a documentary or it's a documentary and it's like this deep dive into food um for example like the first episode is about pizza Ah, and it's just like uh, but not each one that's it it's hard to explain so it's about pizza right Uh that first episode is about pizza but then really what is a pizza so it's like i use but then what is good pizza what is author there's like all these sociological, philosophical questions that it kind of sounds pretentious. This is why I don't like to describe it. Yeah. yeah but it yeah. actually happens like in a completely organic and really fascinating and really thoughtful way where you're just like thinking about, oh, yeah, what makes a pizza pizza? And David Chang is... Pizza pizza. Pizza pizza. <laughs> 
Well, David Chang, I, I I don't know his persona, but I know he puts out a lot of content, both podcast wise and TV shows. Yeah. Um, is he an engaging presence? Like, he, I think he's a very engaging presence, and I think he's one of the reasons why why it's the only food show that has ever made me cry. Ah. He kind of opens up, and there's a vulnerability, or he's so secure about being vulnerable. Yeah. That you have to empathize with him. And yeah. me, also being a Korean-American just like him, right? he has expressed, for the first time, I think, in my memory, he has expressed things that I thought when I was younger mm-hmm. that I thought was unique to only me. And I realized, oh my God, no, other people with the same background thought that too. Yeah. And it just had this like p- very powerful like resonance of like, Oh, this is why representation is important. Yes. Because I've had this feeling that was, that I thought was just lonely because I thought it was just, like it was isolating me because I thought it was just me. Yeah. Right? That it was my crazy. But no, David Chang had that same exact feeling. And then you're like, oh my God. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, well, I am weird, but not for that. Yeah. So. No, it's so important to hear that somebody else shares your experience. That's kind of why I, I mentioned the thing about the wedding, even though I shouldn't, I, sh- I didn't really have a need to, because it feels so comforting to know somebody else is going through mm-hmm. a similar problem. And yeah. I know there are people who are going through this problem and, and feel guilty about it. But that sounds really intriguing. Can it's on it? Netflix. Okay. Ugly Delicious. It's a great title. I'll check it out yeah. for sure. Just um, watch it. And I, I really want... I want to know, did it make you cry? I've recommended it to many other people. Many other people. I don't have that many friends. Two other people. You mean... <laughs> I mean, you haven't recommended it to me. So how many friends do you have outside of me? <laughs> He's, right, you you yeah. cannot hold up fingers on an on a audio medium. Like, peace sign. Anyway. Francis is giving me a peace sign. Yeah, it's true. It's Put just it saying to this many, this many friends. Yeah. And I've asked them, hey, did you cry? Because that's how I recommended it. And they said, oh, yeah, I cried. Not everybody's looking to cry. Though. That's I'm true. Kid- I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. Just... That's a great endorsement, actually, to say that yeah. that's the effect it had on you. Exactly. So okay. what TV show do you recommend? Okay. Well, um, I have two that I've recently enjoyed. Um, and... I would say these are very fruitful recommendations um, because they have many seasons. So the first one is True Blood, which hmm. I avoided watching before because I was like not really into vampire stuff. And then I was like, okay, let's try it. There's seven seasons out. It's such good trashy TV. Like it's so enjoyable. <laughs> And yeah, there are some things that you get sick of, but there's so many other things that keep you interested. And um, the acting is great. Like it's just, you know, if you can if you can handle bad southern accents, you'll like the show. It's just <laughs> like it keeps you and it leaves you on a cliffhanger. That I mean, there's so many times when it's like 3 a.m. in the morning, and then the episode ends, and we're like, God damn it, because you just have to watch the next one. Yeah. So, uh, True Blood, and then um, one that's kind of similar in terms of tone, because what I'm finding more and more is that I can't take the, the real serious uh, downer shows anymore. Mm-hmm. I need something that has, like, 
a fun levity to it that still makes you care about the characters and still gives you like that good portrayal that well-rounded portrayal that makes you invested but has things that make you laugh out loud um Mm -hmm. and and the other one is lucifer i really enjoyed that show it's really there's four seasons out right now uh tom ellis who i think i know there's a movement out there and i don't know if this is confirmed or not but i think he definitely should be the next james bond he's really good he's quite a powerful presence I, I, I know nothing about Lucifer or who that actor looks like, but I trust you. I did watch another show that's sort of in line with what you were saying. Do you have to escapism. up now? No, I'm, I just, I'm just evening out. I'm just evening out. Just because I gave two, now you have to rise to the occasion? Yes. <laughs> I thought this was an equal partnership here. No, it's a competition, and I thought I had the last word. Well, except you don't, because... <laughs> Star Trek Picard is life. All right, that's it, everybody. No, No, I have to talk to you about this. I have to talk to you about this. (laughs) You like the show. I love the show. Because I got bored. Well, you know what? I'm knowing you. Knowing you, I'm not surprised that you got bored. No, but we have a theory. We have a theory because we kept on watching it because, like, you know, Tracy has a boner for the show like you do. And, (laughs) And he was just like there isn't much action it's just a lot of talking i think this is because he can't actually physically do the action anymore the actor i mean yeah that might be it but i think it was more about like the best episodes of star trek the next generation had little action it was all about these like moral quandaries right yeah it was like uh, we have this problem and instead of fighting about it like kirk would have thought about it we're going to talk about it. That's like the best episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. That's why Jean-Luc Picard is Jean-Luc Picard. Right. So, Star Trek Picard was one huge-ass moral problem, right? Mm-hmm. That was talked about throughout the entire 10-episode season instead of like one episode. Yeah. No, I get why you like it. Um, I was so bored. See, I, I'm so not surprised. Wait, I know Tracy, you're not surprised. Was Tracy born? Or th- does does he share my opinion about how awesome it was? No, he and I are pretty much on the same page with this. But uh, he yeah. was more willing to put up with it. Because okay. he loved it. You know, he loved Picard. He always I thought it was great. Him. But here's the thing, though. It did, it, it picks up. It pays off. But By it what episode? Because we kind of stopped. But we have we have a bunch to catch up on now. Well, where did you stop? Four. Oh, you need no, no. When does it? You pick can't up? make a judgment. It picks up right about there. I think watching four episodes is enough to make a somewhat. No, the first three episodes, okay. Okay. Is basically like the first act. Why are you waving first... a paintbrush on me? Because it's on my fucking <laughs> desk. That's why. It's so random. All of a sudden, you have a paintbrush. This was not there before. <laughs> This is so that I can <laughs> really emphasize my points. I was like, what are you holding? Oh, it's a kid's paintbrush. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get it. So he gets, he find, he only gets to space in the third episode. Oh my God, I can't believe you stopped at the fourth episode. I had better things to watch. Oh, well, now you don't. <laughs> you have no fucking excuse now. You need to watch the rest of Picard 
And then we need to have this conversation because you can't fucking say you were bored after watching four wait, wait, episodes okay. of a I ten got, episode season. Wait, I got I got to the episode where you know, like the cool new captain, he's got the ship, yeah. and uh, she she meets his son in the planet. Um, oh yeah, and he's got the warrior kid with him. Yeah, is that what episode is that? I don't remember. It's like one of the early ones, four or five. Okay, yeah. But then it gets. I'm just a, you know, like an adolescent boy. Like, I need you don't, you cool never like fight the, scenes. You don't like the slow build. Oh, I and hate the slow build. But, but the thing is, you miss out on so much, like, you miss out on, like, the fucking climax. Is you this, just need to... <clears throat> are you saying I don't earn go, my climaxes? <clears throat> no, you, saying, you don't. I do not. Yes, actually. <laughs> Why did you disagree with me immediately? I was, you were saying precisely that. I was saying precisely that. <laughs> I just had to contradict you because we're arguing, goddammit. <laughs> You're arguing. You're waving a paintbrush at me. I did not deserve this. <laughs> you just don't like the slow build and you don't like to earn your climaxes. That's all I'm saying. I don't have time for foreplay. <laughs> Except now you do. Just get to the good stuff. No, you're right. You're right. Of course right? you're right. <laughs> All right. Um, and that's always been my problem with your aesthetics. It's that you just don't like the slow build. You get so impatient. And I'm like, just go with it. This is why we're a good team. It's also a lesson in life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just we just did an episode on dreams, which is something that is notoriously said. Nobody wants to hear about your dreams. That's true. Do you, do you realize that we have just tested the limits of what people are willing to accept right now? And we have... we pretty much have 10 to 15 minutes on fucking Star Trek at the end. So I feel like uh, we accomplished a lot. Yeah, this can be stretched out. We are going to really alienate people. And uh, <laughs> no one's going to listen to us except for our one listener. Even our one listener won't listen to us. Oh, he's a father now, so he's too busy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, speaking... All right. Speaking of which, let's just... Stop this. We're, we're all going to fucking say... We're all going to fucking say that book was really aggressive. We just want to say that uh, we want you to be happy and safe and as sane as you possibly can under the circumstances. Yeah, take care of yourselves, everyone. Yes, and thank you for listening to us. 